I'm Brianna. I'm Sarah. And we are the, the Squad, Squad Ghouls. And we have our very special guest, our ghoul friend, Daniela, is here with us today. Yay! Yay! So excited to be back. I have a question for you guys. Oh, what? What, uh, what treat do eye doctors give out on Halloween? <gasps> what? Candy corneas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I have one for you guys. What's that? Why are cemeteries so popular? Because they're shady? <laughs> I mean, there's that, but everyone's dying to get in. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we're on a roll, why did the monster go inside the bar? I don't know why. why. For the booze. That's why I go in. Ba-dum-bum. Same. <laughs> Same. Oh, uh, it's... It's uh, it's always good to laugh these days. Yes, we need, it. We we need we, lots of laughter. Yes, we, we do. Lots of laughter. Lots of dogs. Mm-hmm. Lots of candy. Mm-hmm. Delicious, yummy candy. Snickers. <laughs> yes, including <laughs> Snickers. And chocolate. And chocolate. <laughs> we're we're just about getting to that time. It's uh, so we're recording a little out of cycle, and we're uh, a week ahead of when this will air. Um, but. Today's date is June 19th, 2020, and it is 6.04 p.m. It's a Friday, but uh, we are getting close to when all of the fun stores are going to start carrying Halloween decorations. So Michael's and Home Goods, get all your summery and spring garbage out of there. Is Home Goods open yet? Home Goods is open. (gasps) The one that's down here is open now. Oh my god! Ooh. Yeah, I need, I, need to, <laughs> I need to get in there. Yes, yes. got some coupons. I gotta use. I know. Get all the other garbage out. Bring in all the the fun, spooky stuff because this is about the time of year. You get I some think. pretty amazing stuff too. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that um, the headless horseman, that big headless horseman decoration that I have in the back. Yeah. I got that at Home Goods. Did well, you get the pumpkin car like pumpkin carriage thing too at either Home Goods? Or? I did. Yes, I They've did. got some good See, all stuff. The good stuff. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, you know what I'm going back for? Mm-hmm. That really big pink sparkly pumpkin <laughs> <laughs> to put for- in my house. <laughs> I forgot about that. Well, yeah. Now that you've got a real a real jazzy house that I you know. just moved into, you oh, can you fancy pink and teal pumpkins are happening. Yes. I'll allow it. <laughs> you have to, because they're pumpkins. I know. This is why I'm so conflicted, but also they're pink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I guess all that. But we do have some booze news to go through. Yeah, booze news. Booze news. Booze news. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bree, you want to start it off? I think that first one's yours. Uh, yes. So there's a new series coming to Netflix called uh, Juon origins and uh today um actually the trailer came out for this um but it will be debuting on july 3rd a whole series that will feature the backstory of the original cursed house from the original movie so i feel really bad because i just totally put you on the spot to read that one but i think that's one that i put in i'm sorry oh it's okay an apology (laughs) but you know the good thing is i can read So there's no problem there. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's been a week. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it'll be good. I'm I'm glad that they're going back to the original um, Japanese version of the movie. Oh, totally. And uh, <laughs> did you? I know. So Dee and I went to go and see the the next or whatever 
the grudge we, reboot or yeah, whatever or we want to call whatever. that monstrosity. <laughs> that I did not out. see it yet it was, because you guys told me it was not good, so it, I did not watch it yet. I stand by my original statement. It was statement. really bad. It was not good. It had, <laughs> okay. Now, I will preface that by saying it had some good scares. Yes. And I feel terrible for the woman that was sitting next to me. <laughs> and she was such a sweet. I'm really sad it wasn't me, though. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it just had zero story behind it. Um, even though it had, I, I feel like a lot of places are just kind of resorting to putting Lynn Shay in their horror films and hoping that that will carry them. <laughs> I also I mean, feel like the original had much better makeup, much better just movement yeah. throughout the movie to yeah. keep you kind of like in suspense and like, what's yeah, man. Happen. So I mean, I'm excited for this. I think it's, I hope it's going to be good. Did you watch the trailer yet? No. It's good. I was supposed to, and then I got distracted. I didn't yet. <laughs> it's I need, re- it's I need really to good. <laughs> I mean, I, I got real close to my screen eating my pretzels on my lunch break. So, <laughs> As you should. Um, and then also in other news, did, did either of you see the movie Attack the Block? I did no. not yet. Uh, if you haven't, you should watch it. Okay. Um, okay. It is about a boy who lives in a neighborhood in London that gets invaded by aliens. Ooh. And it stars a sweet, tiny little angel baby, John Boyega. Oh. Also known as FN two two seven, Finn from Star really? Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was it came out in two thousand eleven, so he was really really young when it came out. Oh, baby Finn, little baby Finn. <laughs> um, it was so stinking good. And uh, Joe Cornish and John Boyega actually met up during quarantine to talk about doing a sequel. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Yay. I know. I'm super excited because the original Attack the Block's really, really good. Like the monsters were so well done. The alien monsters were so well done. And the kids were great. It was just it was casted so well. It was awesome. So I'm I'm really excited that there's a follow-up to that one. I'm going to have to check that one out for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember that really, really super creepy um, meme that was like terrorizing children all over the internet about... A year ago, Momo with the, the really creepy. Yeah, that yeah, was really creepy. Yeah, where like if you didn't, it, it was gonna. If you looked kill at you. it, it was, was gonna like, kill you at three yeah. o'clock in the morning. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, well, apparently, um, Orion Pictures and Vertigo Entertainment have teamed up to actually make a movie about it. Oh, oh, oh boy. I know, weird, but um, also uh, the producer Taka. If I do this wrong, I'm sorry. Ichis, Ichise. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Also worked on The Grudge too. Mm-hmm. He's involved in it. Okay. So it might be interesting. It could be. It could I be do. really Maybe. freaking scary. I love I, I love good creepypasta from the internet. It's so, <laughs> it's one of my favorite rabbit holes to go down at night. It's, it, Jared's giving me a weird look. No, it's really called creepypasta. Like all the weird, spooky stories like Midnight Man and Slender Man. Oh yeah, I was going to say Slender Man. Yeah, anything there, right? ending in man <laughs> usually is creepypasta. Oh, um, so yeah, if you, if you, uh, haven't had a chance to go down that rabbit hole, go down the Momo rabbit hole, but it should be interesting. Yeah, the picture interesting. was really scary. So if they, you know, make a character out of it, it'll probably be pretty. I think looking. I saw that on Reddit originally. I'm like, <laughs> the hell is this? <laughs> I remember looking up the picture and I was like, whoa. It looked like um, you're in Beetlejuice when uh, Gina Davis and. Um, Mr. Baldwin start oh, to stretch yeah. her face when she starts to stretch her that's face. That's exactly what it looked like, like. It looks like if she would have just stopped halfway. Right. That's what Momo yeah. looks like to me. <laughs> I just don't get... Yeah, I don't get it. I just think no. it's funny. It, it, you know, was just a virtual hoax and now it's being turned into I a I mean, movie. I looked at the picture and I'm alive, so... Right. 
I mean, do you right. remember back when everybody had um, AOL email addresses? And I'm ashamed to say that I still, I still have do. mine. Yeah, <laughs> I still have mine. But it, you would get those chain emails that if you forwarded them to, right. you know, 20 or more people, then you'd win the lottery and like Mary Channing Tatum or whoever was the big person at the time. And then if you didn't, Dang, forward I missed it to anybody, that terrible, terrible, <laughs> for, terrible fortune would be upon you. Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't figure out why everybody in, sc- in school was asking me for my email address. I'm like, and then I started getting all these ridiculous chain emails. I'm like, don't ever send me that again. Like, yeah. Ever. I still feel like people kind of do that on Facebook, though. They do. I they mean, do with the posts. Like, yeah. you know, they'll say like, oh, respond to this. And if you do, then you have to repost and, you know, do the same thing. Full yeah. transparency. I tag the crap out of you guys when I can wear or not wear when I can win something. Oh, from same. Oh, yeah. One hundred artist or 100%. something. Because I'm pretty sure like you would probably like the same thing. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and in keeping with our uh, new tradition of trying to keep black voices and voices of color alive in the podcast uh we wanted to highlight two more creators of color in this episode um so brie you actually found these two yes i did so um the first one is girl trouble and they have all the the cute enamel pins for your denim jackets and bags and whatever you're going to use those cute enamel pins for um the founder emerald i think it's pilot sorry if i'm murdering the name i promise <laughs> I, I apologize we're trying to like <laughs> we're, we're trying to do something good and make sure that we're representing all all races and all ethnicities within the horror community but if we screw up your name we're really really yeah, sorry. I'm sorry so i'll just say the founder emerald there we go <laughs> uh, uses uh badass political messages such as smash racist thank you yes ma'am and then she has a pin for black lives matter perfect and also she has a pin that says i'm voting for all the fucking women amen can i get an amen up in here <laughs> yeah so but unfortunately her store isn't operating currently due to coronavirus Aww. but please go and follow her company on instagram yay and she also has an etsy store Perfect. Nice. Um, and the next one is Bad Mouth Bruja. I do love her store. <laughs> yes. Making witchy shit for badass brujas. Yes. <laughs> that tagline is awesome. I just mm-hmm. love that. Yes. <laughs> My favorite pin that she has is uh, uh, Prudence. Yep. Uh, from um, Chilling Adventures of yeah. Serena. <laughs> and she also has Rochelle from The Craft. And she has one of Marie Laveau. From American Horror Story, a.k.a. Angela Bassett, the <laughs> yes. queen. Nice. Which I still agree with you that I feel like she might be a vampire because She's she just totally doesn't vampire. She looks no. so good. <laughs> I watched a little bit of Black Panther today between work because I just couldn't focus today. Oh, uh, perfect. And again, like, I know. does, does yeah. not age. She's just gorgeous. I don't know or if she's doing the Elizabeth Bathory thing and she's just bathing in the blood of her enemies, but I don't know how she would have any enemies, but yeah yeah i can't i don't feel like she would no she's just that she just she's amazing and she's an amazing actress that's she what is. just makes her so awesome she is she's so incredibly <laughs> talented she's gorgeous and she she does so much good for humanity i don't know how yes. you can't love her yes mm-hmm. but sorry back to back Pavel Bruja. <laughs> um uh she has um instagram page and i believe also an etsy shop shop 
Um, but make sure you follow her and check out her store. Whoop, whoop. Sounds great. All right. And for this week, our topic is book club. Yay. So the book, the book club. club. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we we love to read. I think all of us are are avid readers, and like, I like to read. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're we're all pretty avid readers, and especially during quarantine, since we can't go out and do things, I've downloaded nine hundred and fifty million books to my <laughs> Kindle for reading. Um, so we thought we would start within the podcast a spooky book club. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this week, well, for the last month, we'll do one of these a month. You don't have to read a book a week because nobody got time for that. I mean, some people do. Some people I do. Mean, we don't. If I'm really like into it, if you apply yourself, right? You can if you believe you can. Uh, so for this month, we picked Doctor Sleep by yeah. Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um, and we picked this one because I think we all really liked it. We're all obviously big Stephen King fans. Um, and then the movie came out last year. My time is all blending together, but it came out last <laughs> Who year. Who knows what yeah, month I think, it is anymore. I think everybody's <laughs> yeah. like that right now. <laughs> it, it's January, December right now. So I, <laughs> I went most of the day yesterday thinking yesterday was Friday. So <laughs> same. Same. And I was so crushed that it wasn't. Um, So we decided to pick one book a month that we will highlight and read. And at the end of the current book club episode that we are reading or reviewing, we will then announce the book we're going to be reading for the next month. So that if our listeners would also like to read and discuss, uh, then you can follow along with the podcast. So a little bit of background on Dr. Sleep for those that haven't read it. Uh, It came out in 2013, and it was a follow-up to the 1977 book, The Shining. So it follows Danny Torrance, who's now a grown adult who's in his 40s, who works in hospice, and he's an alcoholic. Perfect. Right? (laughs) Fitting. (laughs) Um, So just a couple of fun, fun facts and a little bit of background, because I think everybody... Uh, knows Stephen King, um, but the reason that I'm giving this backstory is because it's pretty relevant to the actual story of Dr. Sleep and kind of this overarching theme of redemption. Um, so every, I'm pretty sure everybody knows he was born in Portland, Maine in 1947. Um, so that's why most of his books are kind of set in Maine and small town America and such, because that's where he grew up uh he was born in portland but he grew up in other parts of maine as well um and then some fun things that i didn't know but that i learned um as a child he witnessed one of his friends being struck and killed by a train oh my god oh mm-hmm. he has zero memory of the event um his family told him that after leaving home to play with this boy he returned stephen king returned speechless and seemingly in shock um so some commentators have kind of suggested this may have like i don't know how it couldn't psychologically affect you um but it inspired some of his darker works but he doesn't make any mention of it he actually released a memoir called on writing that came out in 2000 i read that i didn't read it but now i really want to um had to read 
it for while I was in film school. Did you really? I did. Wow, I didn't know that. Something <laughs> just occurred to me now that you said that. Maybe that has something to do with some of the scenes like in Pet Cemetery mm-hmm. when the kid gets you know struck by by a truck, by yeah. a truck. Oh, he yeah. Probably he has worked some of that into his other work. Absolutely, huh. absolutely. But I would suggest read on writing okay I'm, I'm gonna make that a priority it's i'm gonna download good. that one of the 950 million books right. I downloaded <laughs> yeah just add that one that wasn't right. that wasn't one of them but it's going to be now 950 million and one <laughs> right. um so he had a, a an uncle who practiced dowsing with water for uh, using an apple branch. And then when this happened, when he was a kid, this kind of was his epiphany of he wanted to be an, he wanted to be a writer. Um, So that kind of spurred his, his love of writing. But then further on, he actually found a paperback version of HP Lovecraft short stories, which I actually think is the one that I gave you to read. Yes. And I did finish it. Did you love it? I did. Some of it's a little tough because... A little bit. Lovecraft was very flowery with his language. Yes. Like, there was some times in there where I kind of had, like, an eye roll. But, I mean, <laughs> but other than that... <laughs> yeah, I have to... I, it's not something that I can read before bed. Yeah. I can read Stephen King before bed because it's... His language is is a lot simpler and a lot easier to follow and very direct, mm-hmm. whereas Lovecraft is is very florally with flowery with his verbiage yes, that he and, uses and super elaborate too, incredibly elaborate. So like <laughs> the black rug sitting in Sarah's studio had many different circles with varying <laughs> colors of purple and sizes sprinkled in with gray. Like it's a damn rug that's black with <laughs> purple gray and white I'm, circles to match the damn futon that we're sending yeah, on who, whoever uh, was his editor probably like went crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> after <laughs> trying to put that book together like, i am not being paid enough to copy edit this <laughs> um but yeah he so we found this collection of short stories um and he remembers specifically the story the lurker in the shadows um and this book belonged to his father so he told uh barnes noble studios when he was being interviewed during a, a book circuit in 2009 that he specifically said i knew i found home when i read that book so that was kind of his inspiration. But he, same thing, kind of grew up, same as us. He, our our goosebumps and our fear street that we all read as a kid, uh, he actually read the Tales from the Crypt comics. Oh. And that's why he was inspired to write the screenplay for Creepshow oh, to wow, kind of pay cool. homage. I can for, totally see that yeah, now. Yeah, too. yeah totally. Yeah. And I had always been curious as to, you know, what came kind of what came first um but it was totally his love for tales for the crypt comics that inspired him to do the screenplay for creep show which i found out um and then i i'm sure everybody knows he's got kids two of his two sons are writers i know owen king wrote sleeping beauties with him right i don't recall the name of the other son but he's also an author um and he's also published quite a bit of short stories and quite a few other books, including Thinner, under the name Richard Bachman. I really liked that one. Thinner was yeah. good. I And even the movie was, I actually even enjoyed the movie Me a too. lot. The movie was, was great, too. Um, so he published several stories under that pseudonym as well and uh in the and here's the other piece of this that i wanted to talk about because it's super relevant to danny in dr sleep is in the uh, early 1970s he developed a drinking problem 
that ended up following him around for more than Mm. a decade. So it was really soon after Carrie was released in 74, his mom died of uterine cancer. Um, And he, it just, it got so much worse after that. And he actually had admitted that he was completely hammered delivering the eulogy at his mom's funeral. Um, Which death of a parent is, is ridiculously traumatic. Um, So I can, and I can't imagine having to deliver a eulogy. I opted not to at my dad's funeral. I made my brother do it because I didn't have anything to say about that man. But that's beside the point. Um, and then he also admitted that he was so inebriated during the time that he was writing other books that he could barely remind he could barely remember writing Cujo. Oh, wow. um, hmm. And then very shortly after that was written and published, uh, his family and friends staged an intervention. And they dumped all of this evidence in front of him, including empty beer cans, cigarette butts, apparently grams of cocaine, Xanax, wow. Valium, yeah, cough medicine, and uh, and a bunch of marijuana. So after they confronted him about it, he sought help. He quit everything, including alcohol, in the late 80s, and he's been sober ever since. Um, and then the first novel that he actually wrote after that was called Needful Things. And that's one of my favorites. Mm, is really really good yeah um and then also for those that didn't know he was actually hit and i remember this happening because oh. it was very shortly after this happened that the rose red miniseries yes debuted and i remember being shocked that he was able to make a cameo appearance in it um so in june of 1999 he was walking on the shoulder of main state route five and a driver was distracted by his dog that was unrestrained moving in the back seat and he actually hit stephen king who landed in a ditch about 14 feet off down in the ground off of the pavement oh wow yeah so they ended up pleading the guy out he wasn't intoxicated or anything he was just distracted but the guy pled to some lesser charges related to the driving um Stephen King was conscious enough to give the deputies on site phone numbers, contact his family. But by the time they got into the hospital, he had a collapsed right lung, uh, multiple fractures in his right leg, uh, scalp lacerations and a broken hip. Uh, I mean, you wow. name it. It was yeah, ridiculously bad. And doctors had said his bones were so shattered that they initially considered amputating his leg. Um, but they were able to stabilize the bones with an external fixator. So I don't know if you guys remember these. I don't know if they're still popular now, but I remember my mom breaking her arm and having to have it externally pinned. I don't know if you remember that. It was real big in the 90s. it depends on the extent of the break. If it's just like shattered, they probably do use some kind of well, cause fixtures I remember, to put it um, together. What was her name? Pita from, Der- oh, from, from the Derby Dolls? From LA, yeah. Yeah, she broke the hell out of her her leg and and her ankle in multiple places and they they but they still with the shattered pieces they were able to internally do it with surgery Mm. but in the 90s they did it with the external pieces that like went into your skin and there are a lot of people that have to have that stuff removed later on because once like your Mm -hmm. bones and stuff heal it actually starts to cause a lot of pain and discomfort exactly exactly and then if you need things like an mri later you can't have one if you have metal in your body yep causes problems um so after all this happened, I remember the Rose Red miniseries coming out and he was able to um, to have a short cameo. He was the pizza guy that dropped off the pizza in that miniseries. Uh, but I remember being shocked to see him after knowing about the terrible accident. Fun thing that I didn't know 
uh, his attorney and two other people purchased the van that hit him for 1500 bucks because they didn't want it to end up on eBay. Mm. Um, but, and then the van was crushed at a junkyard. Uh, and Stephen King said that he was actually pretty disappointed in that because he had fantasized about smashing it himself. Mm. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that's just a little bit of background on Stephen King. And I think that that's kind of pertinent to understand because when he wrote, Dr. Sleep in 2013, you know, he had gone through this trauma later in life. And looking at the main story of Danny Torrance is written, the book itself is written in first person, but from the perspective of a few different people. So it's written from the perspective of Danny. Um, it's written from the perspective of Abra, his, you find out, niece later on in the book. Um, and then occasionally uh, Rose the Hat, who's the, yep. the lead uh, psychic vampire villain and then occasionally there's some other folks that kind of weigh in and take over the story with crow daddy um and then who else her mother her mom conchetta weighs in at some point um so for the most part it's written in first person there are some parts later in the book when it steps back and there's a narrator telling the story um but for those that haven't read it, this is the story of Danny Torrance after he grows up and he's in his mid... It starts out with a flashback shortly after the events at the Overlook. Um, and Danny is still being plagued by the woman in room 217. Mm. 217, not 237. Right. <laughs> there were a few spirits uh, still coming after him. Exactly. Um, Horace, he still saw. Right. Um and particularly this woman from room 217 and he contacts and we'll talk a little bit later about for those that have seen the movie we'll talk later on in in the podcast about the differences between the book and the movie um but as these things are plaguing him danny stops speaking um and he and his mom live in florida wendy's so concerned so she contacts dick holleran who comes out to Florida. Who's still alive. Who's still alive. <laughs> yeah, right. Because at the end of The Shining, he was he was murdered by Jack Torrance. Um, but in the book, The Shining, he's not. He escapes. Uh, so Dick Hollering comes out, speaks, like communicates telepathically with Danny and actually gets him to open up and talk and then educates Danny on how to deal with all of these spirits. And that is to create these mental lock boxes to trap these spirits so that they no longer haunt him. So while he's a child, he does that. And then you fast forward within the first chapter or the first two chapters to when Danny's an adult and he's plagued with addiction, mostly mm -hmm. alcohol, but also a little bit of drug use, um, just coping with everything that's happened to him in his life. So this story is, for me at least, the main theme that I felt was really about redemption mm -hmm. because in the first couple chapters of the book, that's when Danny decides he needs to get clean. He has that really traumatic experience with the, with the lady and her son, mm -hmm, with the yeah. woman that he picked up in the bar. Um, and then her son, who's just in, he's like in diapers. He's in diapers that haven't been changed. She's living in squalor. She's overdosed and laying in her own vomit. Um, it's just, it's, and the child goes for the drugs. And the kid mm -hmm. reaches for the drugs. I mean, I've had some bad nights. I've never had a night I, like yeah. that. I can tell you that was one of the mm -hmm. moments in the book where I really like, when when he was just saying, candy, mm -hmm. candy, mm -hmm. it really kind of 
just I got this like feeling. It's a sunken. It was just yeah. terrible. That's- yeah, because you you realize that kids don't know. They're so innocent. Their little brains haven't been corrupted, and their souls haven't been crushed by what a terrible right. place the world can be yet. And for a little kid who's like, oh, my mom's, you know, sleeping, she's just sleeping. She's not crashed out, hammered on cocaine and such. Um, So that little boy reaches for the drugs and then Danny stops him and removes it. But he ends up taking money out of her wallet before he leaves. And that's when he feels like he's hit rock bottom. Yeah. Um, So then he finds a sponsor in Billy um, and then the doctor as well. And. Danny still has these psychic abilities. So he still has flashbacks of things. Um, He still has spirits that communicate with him. So his sponsor ends up getting him into a... It's not a halfway house. It's like, isn't it in like a, it's a hospice or an AA? Like or, a, well, that's the like job. a community, of, kind of like a. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a community. I, mean, yeah. I can't think of the. It's the like name. a co-op. Like a safe house. Right. Almost, yeah. Like, yeah. And he's renting a room in this like safe house co-op kind of deal um he gets a job working in hospice and he discovers that he can actually and it's where the book gains its title dr sleep he discovers that he has the ability to use the shining to help people cross over peacefully mm-hmm. and he does this with the help of a cat named Azzy. i love that i know i love the kitty. i love how the the cat like kind of aided him Mm -hmm. and leads him into whichever room yeah whichever Mm -hmm. patient was you know ready to cross over it was really interesting yeah and um azzy the cat knew every time someone was going to was close as they called it right so anytime somebody was going to pass over um so Azzy would go in and then danny would sit with that person um and peacefully help them cross over so And, and he did that by absorbing their shining or last breath into him right that was i think what i remember is they would take their last breath and he would kind of take it into himself to help them pass over Mm -hmm. yeah and release it um and something interesting that i found out is that the story was inspired by a real life cat named oscar that's awesome so oscar and i remember i vaguely remember seeing this on ripley's believe it or not oscar's a therapy cat who can protect predict <laughs> predict the death of terminally ill patients um Ooh, that's so cool yeah so when Stephen king heard about that he said oh i want to write a story about this um and then that's when he kind of made the connection with danny torrance being an adult and working in hospice and thought okay the cat has to be part of this story um and as he put it the cat's the transmission and danny's the motor mm-hmm. um, that, that makes a lot of sense yeah it does yeah yeah and as Danny's getting these little bits uh, bits and pieces of communication with his abilities that he's still, while he's suppressed them, he's still getting some little things here and there, um, he starts getting these little messages on... Uh, his on his board in his room. Yeah, um, he had or a on the wall in his, in his room or something. Yeah, and he starts getting these messages. One's just a smiley face. Um, one just says hi, and he starts writing back and responding. Well, little does he know he's communicating with a little girl by the name of Abra, who lives miles and miles away, but who also possesses the shining. Yep. Um. And as Abra grows and as her abilities get stronger and stronger, they start to communicate more and more. And Abra 
starts to see other things that are a little more macabre. And that's where we kind of start to get into the story of the true knot. So, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I wasn't going to say. Oh. <laughs> At least not yet. Right, because first when she's a little girl, she starts predicting things like the 9-11 attacks mm-hmm. and, yeah. and whatnot. And then you're right. I don't think she really made a f- like big connection with him until, you know, Miss Bradley Trevor. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. So we're introduced to the group, the True Knot, early on in the book that's re- led by uh, Rose the Hat and her partner, Crow Daddy. So the True Knot are basically this group of psychic vampires, as Stephen King energy has labeled vampires, them. Yeah, yeah and like, dear God, I know so many energy, energy vampires, vampires in my life. <laughs> I could sure do without them. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Unless it's Colin from What We Do in the Shadows. Right, yeah. right, we're okay exactly. <laughs> so we're, we're introduced to the True Knot, and um, they feed off of this essence called steam, which is this essence that's emitted when people who possess the shining die in pain. Yeah. So this group specifically seeks out and hunts down, tell, using specifically Rose, who can telepathically find these people all across the country um, to absorb, to murder these people and absorb their steam. So I think we first see this connection in the book with Abra predicting the 9-11 plane crashes into the Twin Towers. And then you see the, the true knot that camp outside of the towers in Manhattan Mm -hmm. and they're there forever just feeding off of Ugh. whoever yeah was all those people that under the that, that part the was rubble. really hard for me to read that part was i mean tough. just considering like it was we a know, real attack right mm-hmm. and you're just then they're sitting there just waiting you, you know just, to feed I mean, off the people who are pretty much dying. you know mm-hmm. dying of a, a traumatic experience i'm just like oh and that I and i think for for anybody that that was alive during that time or was old enough to remember 9-11 because i remember being in school i was at a vet's office when i was in college yeah (laughs) Yeah. and um all no teacher no class everybody was just glued to the the tv all day everything went i mean i was really happy to get out of math class and i didn't know why and, and then it, until I got home and yeah. to my dorm and I was like, whoa. Well, and I remember my mom not being super excited. She, she woke up. She was really upset. She told me what had happened and she didn't want to send me to school that morning. She was really mm. conflicted about. And I mean, I, th- I think I was must have been in high school. <laughs> well, interesting fact. I actually was supposed to go to NYU. Were you really? Wow. So I would have been there. Holy mm. shit. But man. instead, I was like, nope, I want to go freeze to death in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Said no one ever except you. Right. <laughs> Shout out to any of my friends who are listening. Don't get <laughs> me wrong. They know what I'm talking Michigan's about. Michigan's beautiful. It's freaking cold. cold. <laughs> but I loved it. But yeah. yeah. And I so think there. And I think for, for anybody that was old enough to remember that day and that experience and watching people jumping out of windows rather than face what's behind them um it was devastating it was horribly traumatic. well yeah and that's why i was saying like i'm thinking of that image and then while yeah. reading that specific part of the book that's what i was like ooh, it really made it very real like mm-hmm. it was so vivid in my mind mm-hmm. i think that was like the one part of the book where like i was like visually like mm-hmm. taken there just by reading and like oh just give me chills 
<laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was rough. And as as Abra's, you know, grows up, her abilities become more, they become stronger and more pronounced. Um, and then the other piece of this that we're introduced to is her grandmother, no, her great-grandmother, Conchetta, mm-hmm. uh, who also has the Shining. Yes. And that's kind of how her abilities were passed down. Um, and then Abra's m- grandmother is not in the picture, but her mom is. Um, and she witnessed, she's very close with Conchetta. Conchetta helped raise her. Um, so you're really intertwined in what's going on with her because she's, what, 99 in the book or right. something like that? Mm-hmm. She's really, really old. Um, she's old and she gets sick. She does get sick. Yeah. And she has multiple like there's there's one um part of the book where she falls and they're describing and she's just walking to go to the bathroom but when she falls she describes the noise of just taking a step and her bones crumbling underneath her Mm -hmm. because she's so old um and then that's i think that last fall is finally what puts her in the hospital right um but she's she's very very old wise really big influence for abra so Abra's abilities become stronger and she starts connecting with Danny more. But within all of this, the true knot continues to follow people around. They add another character to their group by the name of Snakebite Andy, who's got different mm-hmm. abilities. So all these people in the true knot all have a specific job. They all kind of caravan across the U.S. in their RVs like a real creepy Tony Alamo cult. And <laughs> they just hunt down all these people. So one of the people that they hunt down is a little boy. Oh. Um, and this, you know, reading the book, it wasn't hard to read because it wasn't, his death was not described in detail in the right. book. No. Um, Abra is horrified and we know that he's in pain we know that they're stabbing him but it's not really graphically written which i appreciate because well when you're describing the murder of a child it's not exactly something you want to get to right and and in in any horror movie in any book i don't care if the adults die i don't care how they die adults can help themselves right kids and animals can't right so whoever's making movies stop killing the animals stop killing the kids please stop killing the dogs please freaking stop i'm just i i I can't but people people are evil people can help themselves kids can't right um so this is abra connects with this little boy and is just she witnesses everything like she's actually there with the true knot um, and that's when they become aware of her presence. Yeah. And that's one of her powers. She's able to kind of astral project mm-hmm. um, into right. different areas, which is really interesting. She's really strong. Mm-hmm. She's super strong. So because she kind of inserts herself in this murder and Rose picks up on it, she realizes how strong Abra is and thinks, okay, we need to find this kid because if we can find her, we can keep her alive and just keep torturing her and feed off her mm-hmm. for and years feed off and of years her forever. So she confronts, she finally makes contact with Danny. Um, they meet up in person. She tells him what she saw. He then goes with Billy, his sponsor to, they drive out to the middle of nowheresville and they dig up this little boy's body to know that Abra's not they find his up. glove because she needed his glove mm-hmm. to yeah. essentially find out where they were going next. Yep. 
So they go, they drive back, and then Abra or Rose's and the Trunot are more and more and more aware of Abra. Um, so Rose actually tries to invade Abra's mind. Um, and Abra starts setting booby traps. So, mm. and this was one part that the movie actually had that I really appreciated. It's the part where Abra totally tricks her yeah. into going in there and like I really like that part. Slams that, her hand in the filing cabinet yeah, when she's starting was, to look through. Yeah, it was that was great. Um, and then Danny and and Billy and Abra decide with her parents, let's set a booby trap for the true knot, and let's try to get them to come out, and we'll we'll capture them get me you know we'll get rid of them it'll it'll be fine right um so kind of ends up working yeah there were i think they end up actually kidnapping her yep they kidnapped abra right and then they foil them later on but uh i think they end up kidnapping her twice they kid they kidnap her and then crow daddy takes her and they start driving back um because she's left by herself uh and while she's astral projecting um so Crow Daddy takes her, and then Danny ends up coming to her aid, finding out where she is. Right. Um, but actually, Abra had to drive herself to a hotel or to a spot because they kidnapped mm-hmm. Billy and Abra. Right. Um, and they drugged her, didn't they? He drugged her to keep her... Her powers at bay. Yeah. Yes, so that she couldn't affect him. Um, but then she ends up being able to ram the truck into Crow Daddy and kill him. Uh, they end up coming home... Or they, they get to this hotel, um, and then Abra telepathically contacts Rose and says, hey, what final showdown, bitch. Let's yep. meet <laughs> at the Overlook. So let's talk about the, the Overlook for a moment and how that kind of plays in. For those that have not read the book The Shining, but for those that have seen the Stanley Kubrick movie... The Overlook was destroyed at the end of The Shining. <laughs> there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, so it, I know that there's this whole, you know, <laughs> climactic scene at the very end of the film where Danny's chasing him through the the labyrinth of the hedge maze and stuff and dies in the snow. Didn't happen. Um, what actually ended up happening is the Overlook tries to possess Danny in The Shining, but even Danny, as a little five-year-old boy, is too strong to be possessed. So instead, The Shining goes after his father, Jack Torrance. Yeah. Um, so toward the end of The Shining, when this final big climactic scene happens, the Overlook possesses Jack and then he ends up smashing his face in with a hammer yeah. and becoming this like hotel manager monster that Danny has this big showdown with. Um, and yes, Dick Holleran still came from to his aid from Florida, but he didn't die. Right. Um, <laughs> that's crucial. Uh, and and he, he breaks his, his dad breaks his arm too. Like it's, it's more violent in the book. Than his dad is. broke yeah. his arm in the beginning. Oh, okay. And that's oh. why they went to the, oh, okay, okay. that's why they went to the overlook because Jack, had an alcohol problem that's right yeah Yeah, i never actually read the book i've only seen the movie and part of me wishes i would have read the book so here's how i feel about the shining um i wish that i would have read the book before i saw the movie because i probably would feel the same about dr sleep but Mm -hmm. not having done that having watched the movie the movie's one of the greatest horror movies of all time oh yeah it was beautifully done um however i wish i would have read the book first because i probably would have had a different opinion yeah yeah just knowing all the differences Mm -hmm. between the book and the movie and the biggest difference between that book and that movie is 
Jack Torrance is really the focal point of that movie. Yes. And it's the hotel trying to possess him. It's the hotel coming after him. Whereas the book, it's Danny is the focal point. Right, right. Like, the hotel's after him specifically because of The Shining. Right. Um. So all of these different things were cut out of the movie that happened to Danny. Like, with the topiary animals that come after him and yeah. so forth, yeah. like, was missing. Um. They completely leave out the part of Jack breaking his arm in a drunken... He didn't mean to do it, but he was... He was drunk. He was drunk, and he broke Danny's arm. So then that's when he decides, you know what, I'm going to stop teaching, and we're going to go take this winter yeah. job as the caretaker. Um. So how this ties into Dr. Sleep is there's a the place that has been deemed for the showdown is actually the grounds where the overlook previously stood however when this big altercation happened between danny and the hotel manager monster at the end of the shining uh the over this overlook monster gets distracted by danny the boiler overheats because the whole point is is that like danny or jack's supposed to stop the hotel from blowing up right. with the boiler going. Um, so the boiler's going too hard and gets distracted. Dan- uh, Danny, Wendy, and Dick are all able to flee while Monster Jack Overlook thing goes down to the basement. He's too late. The whole Overlook burns Blows up yeah. and, and, bl- yeah. and burns down. Um, so the True Knot have primarily made this, can- it's now a campground in Dr. Sleep. They've made this the- really their home because of all of the different entities that have lived there, right. just kind of that ground, the energy just dr- uh, that ground drew them draws to it. the yeah draws the terrible people to it. Right. So this whole showdown happens. We catch a glimpse of Horace, the uh, butler, right? Oh, yep, bartender, butler, bartender, kind of both. Bartender, yeah, bartender. Um, Horace actually attacks a couple members of the True Knot and kills them. Um, cause Danny unlocks the boxes and sends the spirits after ex- them. Exactly. Yep. And, um, I totally left out part of this. So the true knot is really frantically trying to get Abra because when they killed this little boy, Trevor Bradley, Bradley, Trevor, Bradley, yeah. Trevor, yes. don't have two first names because I will <laughs> screw them up all the time. I have two first names. My boss has two first names. It's a mess. Um, so when Bradley Trevor's murdered, he actually, because his parents were anti-vaxxers, he had the measles. Mm. So, right. <laughs> vaccinate your kids. Um, so, I mean, do whatever you want, but. No, vaccinate your but children. But vaccinate your children. <laughs> uh, we were all vaccinated. We're just fine. I ended up not getting the measles. Right. Um, despite all the outbreaks at Disneyland and going right. all the time. Got the chicken pox, never got the measles. Dude, I got the chicken, like, sidebar. I got the chicken pox three times. Really? I oh had them three gosh. times. Oh my didn't. Jared didn't believe me, so I actually text messaged my mother and was like, please tell Jared how many times <laughs> I had chicken pox because he doesn't believe me. My mom wrote back three. Boom. Yes, oh. I had chicken pox three times. One wow. and done for me. Yeah. The, well, <laughs> me the, va- the vaccine wasn't around when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, I got him three times. It was it was delightful. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, di- I digress. So the True Knot's hunting down Abra because Trevor, Bradley Trevor had measles. So anytime they ingest his steam, they all ingested measles and as well. And they start dying off and of measles. And they start dying because they have zero immunity. Um, zero immunity to sickness. Which I found really interesting that of all things they would die from, it was the measles. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, even is what C- was making them sick. Stephen King sending y'all a message. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
(laughs) So uh, they start slowly dying off um, and they all start getting sick. So they now are still trying to get Abra. Because they're convinced she can cure him. Exactly. Or them. Exactly. So they're trying to keep her alive. But now Rose is so pissed because she killed Crow Daddy and they still haven't found them. So now she just wants her dead. And then they kill Snakebite Andy too. They killed Snakebite Andy as well. So... After this whole altercation happens, we're introduced to some of these different characters from The Shining with Danny uh, unlocking the lockboxes to attack them. But also when Conchetta dies in the novel, Danny ingests her steam because there's so many people from the True Knot that are still at the Overlook campground that he realized that he needed a surefire and fast way to get rid of all of them. Right. And she was dying of cancer, which is like you know so deadly and so, she, so yeah so she ingested or he ingested her illness and he starts getting super sick and you're not right. quite sure if he's actually going to make it to yeah. the, end of the book um he so barely does he barely makes it mm-hmm. so he goes he unleashes the steam kills everybody um and then goes to battle rose the hat they engage in this little psychic warfare and then jack torrance the ghost of jack torrance makes an appearance and shoves rose the hat off, off the, the platform off the platform yep. that they're that they're psychically battling on and and so think colorado rockies so they're in the mountains Pew. Pew. <laughs> goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> no one's surviving that fall no so i likes that there was that little nod to for danny to get some sort of like um not redemption but some it was sort more of closure, of a closure. Yeah, yeah closure yeah. from his dad um so then they drive back home and Danny celebrates another year of sobriety. Um, you also find out that, and Conchetta says this on her deathbed. I'm bouncing all over the place. Sorry. Uh, Conchetta mentions this on her deathbed. Uh, Jack and, or I'm sorry, not Jack. Uh, Danny and Abra's mother are half siblings because. Through Jack. Through Jack. Because Jack was a dirty, cheating little scoundrel. And <laughs> drinking all the time, cheating on his wife. Yep. Couldn't keep it in his pants. And. On one of his drunken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So they are siblings. So then you find yep. out that Danny is actually Abra's uncle. So they're all happy family at the end. It ties up really nicely with a little bow wrapped they on fast top. fast forward several years later. Everybody's happy. Everything's and great. And yep. Everybody lives happily ever after. Yep. And <laughs> it's all, it's all good. Rainbows and sunshine like Brie likes to say. Unicorns and glitters. Everything that's wonderful. That's what I feel when we together. No, I just can't help myself. I'm like a Care Bear. I just want to do the Care Bear stare on everybody. Uh, so great. <laughs> so when you guys, and I have questions for you guys. When you were reading this, what was your first initial reaction? Because I think all of us have read enough that... When you first start reading a book, you can tell within the first couple chapters if you're going to be ridiculously bored or if you're going to like it. What was I got your reaction? Sucked in. Yeah, I Me too. once I started, and I mean, you know, get, um, I'll say this: I listen to a lot of books as opposed to read them, just because I'm driving around or doing whatever, and it's easier for me to do an audiobook. But when I was listening to it, I I literally did not want to stop. Yeah, yeah. Every chapter drew me in and I, I really visualize everything that he was saying like mm-hmm. I I could imagine it all well like my thing like going into reading it because I I did read The Shining and I'm I agree with you I wish I would have read the book before actually seeing the movie yeah. <laughs> um but my initial thought was like 
when I heard that the book came out, I was like, oh, good, because I feel like it was the perfect continuation of, exactly. of The Shining. So that already kind of pulled me into the story because I'm like, oh, I want to see what happens next. But then, um, you know, like Dee was saying, like you just kept, you know, getting further and further into the story. And I don't know, I just feel like Stephen King does that to me. Like, I always feel like he just draws me in, mm-hmm. no matter what the, the the topic is. Even when we read um, Sleeping Beauties, like, I oh, felt... that one was hard I felt for this, me. It, you know, it was hard, like, but I could tell which was his writing and which was his son's. That was what was so hard for it me. It was written by both they, of them? Yeah, they yes. alternated. It was, yeah. it was... So, oh. here's the thing about Sleeping Beauties, like, no shade, if anyone wants to read it. I don't know why it. I thought that was Anne Rice. Sleeping Beauties? Yeah. There is a Sleeping Beauty. There is a Beauty, Sleeping Beauty. That's which, why. Which, it's <laughs> a whole other subject. Whole other one, yeah. I started reading those ones. Those were the yeah. ones that I read. No, this one, this one just came out, what, 2016, 2017? I remember picking so it up. New. Yeah, I picked it up in an airport. It may have even been 2018, but I was traveling a lot at the time for work, and I remember picking it up and going, oh, this is good. This will, because it's a six hour flight to New York from yep. LAX. <laughs> I'll, I'll wipe this out in, in two flights. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, like I said, with Stephen King, like, you know, he draws you in. Like, all the books that I read from him do that for me. Mm-hmm. But that's why I was saying, it, just without, you know, with Sleeping Beauties, it's still, you could tell which, which writing was his and which writing was his son's. And yeah. sometimes you could tell when it was kind of, they tried to put it together mm-hmm. <laughs> and it didn't work in some parts, but I don't know. I just felt like initially I wanted to hear the, not like the end of the story, but like, I just wanted to see how his Danny's life like turned out. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like in this case, and I feel like this is the case with a lot of Stephen King's books, they're more character driven versus plot based. One hundred percent agreed. Um, and I think that you know a lot of that has to do with being written from first person perspective. Um, but he spends a lot of time on character development, and he does it for a multitude of characters. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just do it for you know obviously the lead characters in in each of no, his books. No, he got into every character in yeah. this book. Yeah, and I, f- he- I felt like we got a. a- we got a piece to know of a life each of one each, of them. Yeah. Each of them. Yeah, and even um, Snake by Andy's girlfriend, um, Silent Sari. Yeah, Silent Sari. Even her, you get a little piece of it toward the very end. You still, and even you know, after Snake by Andy dies, he still spends time kind of developing her character. And even though she's not very well educated, she she's not terribly articulate. You still kind of get a little piece of her. She was yeah. driven by revenge for her love for Andy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and even they fell in love. They did. They totally did. But all of the other characters, you still get a little piece of them, and that's something that I actually really appreciate with his writing. I yeah. did feel like, like as far as the characters in the book and the characters in the movie, they were very, pretty much like kind of similar. Like mm-hmm. they, it didn't stray too much off the book. As far as the personality, the character the development. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Although the one piece that was very well, a couple things were very different. Um, one, the actor that played Billy was very young. Yeah. No, he was yeah. old in the book. He was, he was really, in his seventies, mm-hmm. yeah. like late seventies. Yeah. He was really old in the book. Not that um, I don't love that actor that played Billy because I really do. He was. Um, he was in Fear the Walking Dead mm-hmm. and, and some other things. He's a really good actor. Yeah. And. That was that was interesting that they picked 
a younger guy to do that role. And then the piece that I actually really, really liked, I loved that they made Abra a biracial child. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because representation is really important in cinema, especially now. And the horror genre has struggled with this for decades and decades and decades. So I loved that women can go, I, I don't take kids to go see this movie as we know with the with woman the Trevor that murder. I, yeah with the woman that I gave a piece of my mind to who brought her children to go see oh it. my gosh oh, I wow. remember that, that was ridiculous we won't go there oh and I was sitting they were sitting behind me and they were talking and on their phone notes. oh god I just anyway. want you guys to know my 12 year old daughter will never go see a movie like that yeah 12 12 year olds should not go see this um but I I loved that they they represented a repressed segment of society and yeah. that's super important it's important for for people to be able and it's it's in anything it's not just film although film is the most um forefront media between film and television but in any any advertising or marketing that you do it's so critical that you represent everybody and that people be able to see themselves with your products or see mm-hmm. themselves in your clothing or see themselves on the screen and go that's me I yep. could I could be that powerful someday I feel like when things are more relatable you're mm-hmm. more drawn to them yep. you absolutely know, exactly. more real absolutely and when you don't have a wide a widely represented group of people you send the message that this film is not for you it's only for white people. Only white people right. like horror, right. like which is which is bullshit. So ridiculously untrue. Um, so I I love that they made that character biracial yeah, in the film. Right. I love that her dad was black. I'm like, it was fantastic. Thank you for actually representing yeah. Americans. That was one yeah. of the parts of the book that I actually liked that they changed. Yes, I agree. she was Italian in the book. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Correct. So I did like that they did that. Hmm. Um, what themes did you guys pick up on throughout this book? I mean, for me, I know you said, well, I mean, when you pointed out the redemption mm-hmm. factor, but um, what I pulled from it a lot is just the, just battling addiction. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and and maybe that's not so much with Danny, like, you know, the true not, like, I kind of feel like what they do can be like considered an addiction as well. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I felt like it was like a drug Agreed. to them, even though it was keeping them alive. And, you know, that was like their, you know, food. But I felt like for me, the true knot was, it was more like an addiction to me. So I like, I see like the overall theme. And I know we talked about um, his um, Stephen King's uh, alcoholism and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I think that was an overall theme. And then just, trying to like overcome that um like that's what i pulled from it i don't know about you guys but no i i agree with you right. i i totally agree with you and to your point even with danny there's different parts in the novel where he goes into a bar and he mm-hmm. orders a drink but he doesn't drink it right um and i think for anybody who's ever struggled with an addiction it's something that's always there yeah you never i mean whether it's it's cigarettes, it's freaking shopping, because I know a lot of people that spend too much money on Sex. stuff. It doesn't matter. Like, Not yeah, me. Any, any, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, I think any any addiction, it's something that's always there. And it's something right. that when you wake up in the morning, you always battle. And it is always at the front of your mind. And you try different things to prevent yourself from succumbing to that addiction. And I did like that while Danny starts out the novel in like a very rock bottom, like this is as bad as it's going to get for you by the end of the book, they're celebrating his, you know, X number of years of sobriety. He gets another coin. Like it's, I, I really appreciated that. Yeah. I did too. Which character did you guys relate the most to? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Honestly, one of the characters that I really like that I just don't feel like they gave enough mention of in the movie was Conchetta. Yeah. I really liked her character and I really liked, you know, her story. And I feel like I wish they would have put more of that in the movie. Agreed. If by not enough mention of her, you mean like they barely mentioned her at all. Yeah. That's like true. she didn't even get cast in <laughs> that, that part. I mean, yeah. and she was such a huge part of the book. Yeah. She was. Well, uh, Conchetta reminded me a lot of my granny. Yeah. So that, I I guess I could say, like, yeah. she was probably my favorite, even though, you know, she wasn't, like... A and big... it just really tied together the whole family connection. Yeah. And I feel like they, they were lacking that, mm-hmm. you know? I agreed. I agree. Um, she was my favorite character. <laughs> I don't know who my favorite character was in the book. Because she essentially wiped out everybody yeah. with her cancer steam. You know, <laughs> right. my, my, my favorite character was... My favorite character was Azzy. I did love Azzy. Yeah. Because well, the yeah yeah because cats are always my favorite sorry peanut she's sitting on the bed i know she's not even looking at me right now though but she's giving you the don't don't tell her the cats are my favorite so yeah as you would be mine um i i personally really liked the ending but how did you guys feel about it and we're talking about the book ending not the movie ending. the book ending i loved me too too. i loved everything about the book ending um i like just how danny ends up taking these monsters that have basically tortured him his entire life and he turns them on these monsters is fantastic i loved everything about that and i did love how his father kind of came to help him in the end Mm -hmm. you know i thought that was really awesome just shows that he really did love him and care about him I mean, despite his addiction, I really mm-hmm. wish they would have evolved that part. And I know it was hard to because, you know, he, the director for the movie, was trying to tie it into the Shining movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get it, but I really wish they would have developed that more. Me too. Uh, for the movie, I feel like they could have ended it that way. I, I mean, I understand wanting to kind of play it off of the first movie and wanting to tie it in, but mm-hmm. I feel like they probably could have done that still and still kind of kept it true mm-hmm. to the book ending. They could have had the it could overlook have been a facade. Now. Yeah, it could have been a facade. It doesn't mm-hmm. didn't have to be the overlook was still there. It could mm-hmm. have been like more of a in his mind. Yes, kind of thing. So. Yes. Um, I I loved how it was. It was all tied up. I and I, I mean, call me a sap. I love a happy ending. Life's me too. life's me too, too freaking dark. I <laughs> and I understand that not every ending is going to be happy, but that's called life. I like right. my my books and my films and such to <laughs> have a happy ending, uh, because life's just too disappointing. Well, sometimes. again, over here with puppies and rainbows and, <laughs> and <stuff>. care bears. <laughs> Did the uh, last question for you guys before we talk about the movie? Um, did the book change your perspective about anything? Like, did you, was, was there any particular topic that was discussed that you felt differently about now versus when you read it? Hmm. 
That's a good yeah, question. Yeah, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> Making us think, Sarah. I know. <laughs> I can't brain hey, it. They now. were in the notes. Well, you know, I will say something that I just pulled from the book for myself personally. Like, just want, just, well, not watching, but <laughs> reading about, you know, Danny's constant struggle and, you know, just always trying to, you know, fight the the monsters or you know fight his addiction but still you know he pushed through and you know sort of kind of prevailed from that and I don't know for me personally like you know you guys know me I'm like always trying to uh, you always got shit going on (laughs) (laughs) so like I don't know like I just kind of felt like for me it, it helped me kind of just like you know what like if you you know, really want something, you're, you know, you're going to go after it. And I feel like Danny did that. He was like, you know what, like enough is enough. Like I hit my rock bottom. I don't want to go back, you know, to that. And I kind of felt like the same way, like, you know, I just got to start doing more stuff for me. <laughs> I am glad you said that because I feel the exact same way. Yeah. So the, the biggest piece that I got from it was, and I hate new year's resolutions for this reason. It's like, yeah, you, blow it the first part of the year and then you use that as an excuse to do the wrong thing or to be a jerk for the entire year and then when you flip a calendar page magically your whole life is going to change as opposed to what I what I loved about the book is that it kind of echoed that sentiment of Danny hit rock bottom on a freaking Tuesday in May I don't even think that they identified the day but it was no this is not okay I understand that it is tomorrow is a new day and tomorrow is a new day to make a change. Yep. So not this, I'm going to wait till January 1st and just keep being no. a dirtbag. And then I'm going to eat that donut no. ne- the next day. And I'm going to then eat some ice cream too. No, to that point, I think you have to work on it every single day. And mm-hmm. it just goes to show you that no matter how bad or what kind of inner demons that you have, you are strong enough to pull yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. You are strong enough to move exactly. forward and change things. No one has that power but you. And and I like that there's Stephen King still made it clear that there's help available, mm-hmm. right? Because he's in NA or not NA. I'm sorry, he's in AA and he goes to all of his meetings, even though he doesn't like him at first. Um, but he's got a great sponsor in Billy. He's got a great support system. Um, so. I love that there's this combination of you have to make the change, but know right. that you you don't have to do it alone. No, you have right. support. You have people with you. And, you know, I think it's, I feel very lucky to say that I have people like that in my life who are there for me. You know, all of us, we're all yeah. there for each other. And that, love you, know, you guys. <laughs> that's something that just honestly like pushes me every single day. Just knowing yeah. that you have those wonderful, amazing people in your life who are there for you and who will back you up no matter what. It's such an amazing feeling. You guys are okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. This is done. <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the book. Uh, or I'm sorry. We the, just talked about the, you mean the movie. <laughs> the movie. Let's talk about the movie. Oh, oh man. man. Okay, well, I'll say this. I I did like the movie, but like I was saying before, I wish, I mean, like, I know that the director was trying to tie the Shining movie into to this one, even though, obviously, it was completely different. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I like I like what he did. 
mm-hmm. for the most other than the ending mm-hmm. i i liked the yeah. rest of the movie minus the scene where the boy dies <laughs> but you know i think i need to go back and watch it again because mm-hmm. i i had really good hopes when it first started so i understand Dick died in the Shining film. So they had to keep him dead. So they in had the to keep him dead. Unless, mm-hmm. I mean, they could have said, like, no, we. He never actually in. died. Yeah, the, just parama- the paramedics <laughs> got there through the snow in time and pulled the axe out of his chest. It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. So I I understand, like, the, yes, they had to keep Dick Holler in dead. But mm-hmm. I. I from that point, though, in the in the movie version, up until they go to that confrontation at the campground, it was almost like page for page for page yeah. with the book. That's yeah. where I had a big problem with it because and, yeah. the minute it hit that campsite scene and kind of completely stirred off the book, mm-hmm. I was I was kind of done. I I lost interest. It was hard. It was really hard because as soon as like. Billy Freeman died and Abra's dad died, which never happened. Never happened yeah. in the in the book. Um, I didn't. I I struggled because I didn't understand the point of it. Right. right. If if there would have been a point to having these characters die, okay, that's fine. Sacrifice them for the greater good of the film. But it just felt like there wasn't a point. No, there wasn't. So I and I understand at the end when. Danny goes back to the Overlook and has this very romanticized, drawn-out scene where Jack Torrance is now the bartender that instead was of so I was so that was, was too much. It, and I I get that they were trying to frame up his addiction, and he's like his dad, and blah blah blah. Like I, I understand. But they could have added a scene where his dad helped him with uh, Rose. Like, why do that? Why not right. have Jack appear well, and that, be like? That's what I was saying. You know, like, I wish he holding her put down or ending. something, mm-hmm. just like some kind of help to kill Rose. Right. Like, yeah. And then there's the whole scene where you know the Overlook is obviously still standing because it was still standing in the Stanley Kubrick version. And all the so, evil spirits come after him. Horace comes back. The Grady twins come back. The mm-hmm. woman from Two Seventeen right. comes back. Like. Everybody is there attacking Danny. And like, oh, okay, I'll give you that because you're trying to fit this in with the film version of The right, Shining. Right. That, you well, that's know, what I was these, saying. Like, they I'm, tried to tie it together. You know, he tried his best to tie it together to have it make sense for audiences who haven't read any of the books and only seen the movie. And that's yeah. why Stephen King said he liked it was mainly because it just tied so well with the first movie as mm-hmm. well as kind of keeping true to his Which book. Which I was really surprised because, I mean, I know for a fact that he said that he does not like The Shining. <laughs> no, he, no, he hated, he hated the Stanley Kubrick version so much that he actually produced the film miniseries that came out in the 90s starring Steven Weber. I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that one either. It was good. It was a miniseries that was on TV very similar to It, so it played over the course of oh, you know, okay. a couple like Sunday nights. Episodes. I'm going to have to look yeah, for that. Yeah, and it was a little more true to the story with things like the fire hose turning into the snake and um, the topiary animals attacking. They include the fact that Steven Weber playing Jack Torrance broke, his, broke Danny's arm. Way more true to the um, book. It was much more on par with the book. Um, and then I think even actually at the end, same thing, the Overlook burns down. If I remember correctly, the whole thing blows up. And then you go back and you see Danny graduating from college and he sees the ghost of Jack Torrance yeah. and they have their little connection. Um, 
But yeah, he hated the books or the, he hated the movie so much that he commissioned or he produced the miniseries that came out. Okay. I'm going to have to see that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and, and, and again, if they wanted to leave the, the scenes with the, with the Overlook in, cool, great. Those are really fun. I'm happy about it. But it's the fact that the, so many characters died that didn't die in the, in the book with zero point. Right. It didn't advance this plot it's of like the story. like they killed her mother. They killed her father. They didn't they kill ki- her mom. Oh, they didn't kill her mom? No, they didn't oh, kill I her mom. I thought they killed her mom, too. Okay. No, they didn't kill her mom. They just killed her dad. They okay. killed They killed her dad, and they killed Billy. But yeah, he never died. No, he didn't die. Um, In fact, they were with her at that last, like, uh, confrontation where she's astro-projecting herself from her room to the campsite. Her parents are supposed to be right there watching her Correct. to make sure she doesn't... Mm-hmm. Correct. You know? Um... So there's, you know, all these different parts of the end. And then the biggest, you know, tie off is they kill Danny Torrance in the end because similar to the end of what happened in the book, The Shining, he goes down to the boiler room and he sees Wendy, the ghost of Wendy, his mom, and he turns all the valves and blows the whole fucking business up. Pardon my German. (laughs) Um, So... And then you see Abra, you know, having this telepathic conversation with him, with her Uncle Dan. And um, then she goes down to her mom and she says, you know, I know I'm not supposed to talk about it, but I talked to Uncle Danny, even though he's dead. And I talked to mom or I talked to dad, even though he's dead. Um, and I talked to Conchetta. Like, and yeah, I wasn't too keen on any of that. No, it yeah. just didn't. It could have it could have done without it. And I think. I am biased because this book, although it was not very well reviewed, it was, you know, it got mixed reviews when it came out. But this was one of my favorite Stephen King I books. I feel it was very yeah. well written. And it was one, besi- I have to say this and Thinner mm-hmm. were two of my favorites. Yeah. Like these, these two books really Agreed. kept me mm-hmm. uh, drawn in the entire time. Yeah. And the fact that they just took so many liberties with the story that, if they would have advanced it, I would have felt differently about it, but I didn't feel like they really contributed to the overall story. They could have um, done more with it. Yeah, and that's that's why I had the issue. And, you know, I get that there's issues with the Overlook not being burned down and so forth. Like, they could have, they could have had the Overlook condemned. They could have had it partially burned mm-hmm. down. Like, they could have worked that in in some right. way. Um, but they didn't, and I understand why, because the ma- most people don't read, and most yep. people just Only saw the movie, just saw the film, and loved the film, and wanted to tie that in. <laughs> um, it's funny, though, because even after seeing only seeing The Shining and still watching Dr. Sleep, I still didn't love the tie-in. Like, I just yeah. wasn't. But if you wouldn't have read the book. I never read The Shining. No, if you wouldn't have read Dr. Sleep. Oh, I mean. If you wouldn't have read Dr. Sleep, I, it'd probably be different. If I wouldn't have read it, honestly... I probably would have liked it a little bit more. Yeah. But I don't know if I still would have loved the whole ending of it. I, I, I really would have preferred Danny be alive and I would have too. celebrating mm-hmm. with her and, and the family. That's how I, I would have liked it. I would have too, end. but we knew that that's what was supposed to right. happen. We knew that right. he was supposed to be celebrating his sobriety and going to Abra's. Right. You Even know, not knowing that, just because of happy endings, that's probably how I would have liked it to, yeah. to end either way. So. Yeah. So I. It was hard. <laughs> it, it was tough. And I, I'm i sure I need to go back and watch it. It's like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The first time I watched it, it was like, I don't get it. <laughs> and I liked it. 
Well, but that was the first time watching it. But then we we rewatched it again not that long ago, and I'm like, this is fun. But it's mostly fun because I can go get more popcorn and take a bathroom break. Well, it's like yes. you guys were yeah. mentioning in in the previous podcast episode about Crimson Peak. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of mm-hmm. wish you would have. I would go back now and watch it again because I feel like I might like it a little bit more watching mm-hmm. it yeah. now than I did when we saw it the first time. And with that film, I had I had so many different expectations about what it was going to be. Yeah. Um, I think if we knew what it was going to be, we maybe not would not been so disappointed. Well, and I saw... Um, what were Guillermo del Toro's other really big movies? There was Pan's Labyrinth. That which was, was one of which my was favorites. Great. The Devil's Backbone, which was great. Did he do the orphanage? Didn't he do the, the shape or water? He, he did. Yes. He did the shape of water. One of my favorites but, of him. But thinking to what I watched before, like with with Crimson Peak, mm-hmm. and I don't. I'm pretty sure he did. No, he did not do the. I know orphanage. he did the Hellboy movies. Yeah, we're not going to talk about those. <laughs> oh, he did scary the scary stories. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Again, we're not going to talk about those. <laughs> I feel like we should read the stories and then I did compare I read the them stories to the movie. I did. Brie, if, and do you I, remember the one? The I was so sad that they left out the one with the lady with the ribbon around her neck, mm-hmm. and when they oh. untie it, when she's about to die, and her head falls off. I'm really sad they left. There that were one a out. lot of really good. I, stories I knew they were going to put used. the one with the spiders it i had a oh, feeling they to. were gonna use the toe had to oh, had to the toe, the toe. <laughs> had to um oh, man. but thinking like going back to crimson peak um and thinking about some of the other movies that he had done with pan's labyrinth and with the devil's backbone if nobody's seen the devil's backbone i actually haven't seen that one don't be afraid of subtitles it's great um there i knew there were great ghost stories but they weren't horror movies with this one and i know he came out ahead of it and said this is not a horror movie it's a gothic romance movie Mm -hmm. i still didn't want to listen so i went in with completely preconceived notions and i i it was beautifully filmed it was but i just didn't care for the story no it wasn't my favorite Mm -hmm. but yeah so if you haven't uh read the book dr sleep i feel like we should give this a rating like on a rating scale of like one to five screams what would you rate it i would give it a four i'd give it a four agreed four yeah Mm -hmm. because it wasn't it wasn't terrifying Mm -mm. but it was disturbing Mm -hmm. yeah like a lot of it was very unsettling and disturbing what would you rate the movie uh i give 1.5 yeah i i'd say maybe two two and a half (laughs) i was gonna i was gonna give at least a 2.5 i'd give it a 1.5 but know that i would give what was the real hard critic over here (laughs) no what was the real terrible one that i saw not that long the turning yeah the turning i give that like negative 12 because you can't. oh by the way i, I give did the grudge watch that. a negative one why did too. you just don't love yourself to you Bray? And why would you watch it this is what happened <laughs> i warned you i i fell asleep mm-hmm. and then i woke up tried to watch it again and you where fell i left off again and i fell asleep again <laughs> uh-huh sounds about right but then i woke up and i finished it nice <laughs> yeah it was all right i was like i was expecting a little bit more from this indeed <laughs> So in in summary, read the book, watch the movie, but I recommend actually 
reading or watching the movie before you read the book. Yes. If yes. you haven't done so. Yes. Because if you read the book first, it's going to ruin the movie for you. But read or watch the movie and you'll be fine. Yes. And also yeah. read The Shining because The Shining was actually really, really good. I really, really want to go back that. and read that one. It now. was really good. And that concludes our episode of Book Club. Uh, <laughs> our next Book Club book will actually be another Stephen King book because it's timely since we're making it through a pandemic right now. Yep. It is The Stand. There's something that's very important to note about The Stand. One, it's very long. It is. It's, I think, 800 and some odd pages. And why you are reading the extended version, I don't know because i and don't love myself <laughs> just remember that that book came out a long time ago and there are some mm, so there are some terms there, in that book that are not wonderful yes there's so there's two things if you would like to download or buy the copy of a copy of this stand to read along with us for the next month one there's two different versions one is long the other is longer so it's i think the, the i don't know which one i'm doing right now original one is 800 and some I'm odd reading pages the original yeah and the and the extended cut is 1130 I think some I'm reading odd pages. the original too i'm reading the extended version well listening I'm telling to the you guys original. i got some notes yeah <laughs> oh girl um, and so know that when you go to buy it make sure that if you want to commit to 1100 pages i am not going to stop you but just be warned there's two different like versions reading it it was ridiculously <laughs> long too yeah um so know that and then also know that this was written i think in the 70s it was there are a lot of words I have a dirty sailor mouth. There are a lot of terms in this book that I personally will never utter. And when you hear them, you kind of cringe. When you hear them mm-hmm. or read them, you kind of cringe. You a cringe bit. because they're they're wrong to use then. They're wrong, wrong to, to use, use now. Doesn't make a difference. So just trigger yeah. warning for listeners. There's some uh, questionable things in there. Yes. Yep. And we hope that you read along with us. Yay. thanks thanks for listening um if you have suggestions for us please email us at the squad at gmail.com follow us on instagram our handle is the squad ghouls and also like us on facebook yes and leave us comments and rate us please yes please rate we, we need, love we to ratings. hear what you guys think yeah man please do it creep it real and we'll scare you later bye <laughs>